1: Coming up today on The Story. I was at this school and towards the end, my plan whilst at the school was to go on an extended outreach to Colombia in South America. That was kind of always my dream to go there. It got to towards the end of the school where I had planned all this, it was paid for, and then this missionary couple came from a city called Tete. And so they came and spoke at the school towards the end and I felt the Lord say, if I ask you, Will You Give
0: Up All of Your Plans? The Story G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, after finishing university, Jordan Olney had dreams of being a millionaire and earning lots of money through real estate. But when he took a short-term trip to Mozambique to go to Bible school, he soon found out that the Lord had more exciting plans in store for him. Today, Jordan Olney will share about his unexpected adventures in Africa as he has a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. What was your original vision? Why did you want to be a millionaire?
1: Um, originally, I wanted to be a millionaire more so to be more financially secure, financially stable so that I wouldn't have to stress out you know, later in life. Um, You're my inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd like to have that too. (laughs) Yeah, I'd seen that um, many times before with other family and friends. And I just, to something in me was like, I will do anything to not be in that situation.
2: At such a young age, you're thinking about all that.
1: Yeah, I was like, I'm not having it. Not for myself, not for my family, that stress. Um, So I made it a goal from, you know, whilst I was in school that I was... In high school? Yeah, not going to have to struggle. It wasn't about necessarily about getting a Ferrari or this and that, being Mm -hmm. rich per se, but it was about I'm going to put in the hard yards and make sure I never have to stress. Okay, so that tells me... Mature at a very young age. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a form of it. A form of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, my plan um, (laughs) at that stage, uh, I I did psychology throughout university Mm -hmm. um, as my major and then minored in forensic science. Uh, My plan, yeah, my plan was to eventually go into the police force and work my way up to become a detective I loved that whole CSI type, you know type <laughs> I stuff. was
2: wondering what kind of TV programs were you yeah
1: <laughs> so you know it, it just seemed like the perfect fit for me like yeah. I, I love guns and I love um, adventure and being out there and um, helping people obviously and making millions and <laughs> that was more of a means to an end okay. um, but as a career so
2: how are those two going to fit together
1: right so as a career I, I'm also wanted to go down that Policing path, mm-hmm. um, it was just a good fit for my life. But I also wanted to get to that security stage through investment properties. Um, so,
2: wow, you had this all figured out before you were twenty. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So at eight, eighteen, I was like doing lots of research and you know just trying to figure out you know how do I do this thing? How have other people done it in the past? Mm-hmm. And so once I figured out the way that I was going to do it. It was just put your head down, work six days a week as hard as you can, uh, and don't spend a dime. <laughs> wow, <laughs> or a cent, a cent here, um, <laughs> and so you know I just saved and saved for, and I finally I was ready to get my first investment property. I had my deposit together after five years. I um, eventually looked at one, only one property. I only walked through one house before things changed. Um, and all of a sudden, I remember this morning, it was about a year and a half, um, the whole process for to apply and get into the police force. And I remember after a year and a half, one morning, my mum came um, onto my bed in the morning, woke me up, and she had this envelope, and it was open. So you had been trying all this time yeah.
2: to reach your dream and yeah. be a detective. Yeah. So you could... Live out CSI
1: type stuff. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, it had taken me, this was after university, had taken me a year and a half to mm-hmm. go through the, the vetting process. Mm-hmm. And one morning, my mom came in and, and she woke me up and she asked me just one question. She said, um, do you trust God with your future? And... um That was really hard to hear because I knew exactly what that meant.
2: (laughs) Not not exactly.
1: (laughs) Not what I wanted to hear, right? I wanted to see an open envelope saying, You got in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Not, uh, Do you trust God for your future? And, um, you know, after many tears and having to set that aside for the time being, um, of course I said, Yes, I do trust Mm -hmm. God with my future. And um, I know that, you know, it's all about the journey. And Mm so he's got bigger plans. Okay, so you got knocked back. Mm -hmm. Then how did the idea of a trip come about? So I bumped into one of my friends. Last time I saw him was when I was eight years old in church. We were both about eight years old, and um, he went to Mozambique um, with his family to do missions just out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. and he had been there for about 13 years, roughly. Um, It was the first time he came back to Australia, and so I thought I'd catch up with him for a coffee. Wow, you hadn't seen him since you were eight years old. Yeah. Wow. And so now we're, I don't know, 21, 22. And we we had a coffee at McDonald's, and all I remember was just seeing the fire of God in his eyes. And he was telling me all these stories and testimonies after testimony about how God has provided for his parents and the seven kids that Mm -hmm. they have over there in Africa. And I'm just like, I need that in my Mm -hmm. life. Like, I need testimonies and stories i need to know what i believe is true like mm-hmm. i gotta have something to hold on to you yeah. know and so i remember saying to the lord you know whatever it is whatever cost i have to pay um, i want that in my life you know i want to mm-hmm. yeah. i want to live it instead of just talking the talk mm-hmm. you know yeah and so i was asking him about it his name is elias and i remember asking him and um, he was like oh come and do harvest school uh, it's a school for missionaries. It's in Pemba, Mozambique, which is close to Tanzania in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. and he he said, "You know, come and do the school, it will change your life. you'll you know you'll have an experience with God. So at that stage, I researched it and I found out about Heidi Baker, who um, was a missionary from the United States, uh, and she went over there twenty years ago or something, mm-hmm. and basically just loved on street kids. And through all of that and through years of her serving, she basically got well-known and now she's a well-known like worldwide um, Christian, almost like a Mother Teresa type, oh, okay. type yeah. figure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And so she runs this school for missionaries mm-hmm. and which is aimed at training people all throughout all the world, many countries to go out into all the world and do missions and care and love for the one person. Mm. And so it was a, about a 10-week course, 10-week school and at that stage, I was tossing up. I had two options, which is where I really felt the Lord give me a choice. Like I said, I'd walked through that first house, and so I could go down this road and set up and do what I'm supposed to do—the original vision, the original plan, plan and all that. Exactly, and so which you know is there's nothing wrong with mm, that. Yeah, and so to go down that road, or I felt like God asked me, like, or oh, you can go and do this, do this school. And see what I can do with your house deposit. Because that's kind of what I was running on. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't So that's have, how you're going to pay for it? That's how I was going to pay for it, which is basically sacrificing my dream. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So- But you had heard something from your friend. Definitely. That was worth much more than a house deposit. Mm. Wow. And I just knew that I knew deep in my heart that whatever it took, I was going to go and get that so i took the step of faith as we all need to take you know Mm -hmm. sometimes and applied i got in to the school Mm -hmm. and booked my flights um went over there and went for it okay so we're going to find out more about that trip
2: and how the lord continued to change your heart but first let's back up and find out
1: about your background where were you born and raised I was born here in Ferntree Gully, close by, mm-hmm. um, in Upper Ferntree Gully at the Anglis. And so I've been born and raised as a Melbourneite for my whole life. And so it's been awesome being able to grow up in the church. Um, my grandfather was a pastor mm-hmm. for maybe 18, 20 years or so before my dad took over about three years ago approximately. Uh, so you're so, a pastor's kid. Yeah, definitely. So I've heard I stories think, about pastor's
2: kids. Oh, we've got to be careful. <laughs> Definitely. Sometimes there's challenges with pastor's kids, is what I'm getting at. But uh, yeah. was that your experience?
1: Um, I have felt from a young age that I didn't feel a draw away. Um, that draw away that typically you see a lot mm-hmm. of pastor's kids have to deal with that mm-hmm. whole process of, of, okay, am I going to stick to the path or mm-hmm. am I going to find my own thing mm-hmm. or find my own way? Or go through a rebellious period. Or that, you know. Yeah. And so I never really had that impact me or had to go through that you know the whole clubbing and thing I felt like the Lord has really just give, just protected me from all of that and I just couldn't stand being in that environment or you it know, never attracted you it never attracted me like partying mm-hmm. and it was never an attractive thing and so I had really no reason to run away from the church I loved being there I loved the people there and at some point you put your faith in Jesus On a personal level? Yeah, definitely, Um, from a young age, um, but it just kind of got more and more real to me. Um, Mm -hmm. The more I understood, the more I learned, and even the more opportunities that I got in church, um, that was the bonus, that was the big benefit of being in a smaller church, is that, you know, you get opportunities to to take oversight one time, Mm. and then- Did you preach? Yeah, and then, oh, well. and then started preaching um, and then, you know, was able to play the drums for, for a long time mm-hmm. since a young kid. So, that really helped solidify my faith and also keep me on the right path. And really, I needed nothing else.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today Eric Skadabo is chatting with Jordan Olney and as we've been hearing, he had dreams of being a millionaire earning lots of money through real estate but he gave that all up when God led him to go to Bible school in Mozambique As we will hear, this is not the end of the surprises that God had in store for him Next, we'll hear more of Jordan's story and find out about his adventures in Africa when we return The Story Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with a young man named Jordan Olney who has had several adventures in Africa. Before the break, we heard how he gave up his dream of making millions in real estate. He actually took the deposit that he had saved up for a house and put it all toward going to Bible school in Mozambique. Now we're going to find out what happened when he arrived there.
1: Yeah, so I, I knew that going in, I wanted to do something and live for something that was bigger than myself because I had spent all this time, you know, like building up my own kingdom, you know, starting to, but I realized that life was a lot bigger than me mm. <laughs> and the world was a lot bigger than me, which I now know. Um, so I was at this school and towards the end, my plan whilst at the school was to go on an extended outreach to Columbia, which was always like my dream, Yeah, in South America. Um, that was kind of always my dream, to go there, learn Spanish, and just, I love the people. Mm-hmm. And so... So, from going from Africa to South America. Yeah, that was my original plan. Okay. Um, and so, I had my flights booked, and everything was planned. Um, I was going to go there for roughly four, like a few weeks for an extended outreach, then four months after... Backpacking, doing things like that.
2: Wow, um, really going for an adventure?
1: Yeah, um, and, Sounds so, good. yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, and so I it got to towards the end of the school where I had planned all this. It was paid for, and then this missionary couple came from a city called Tete, uh, which is about a whole day's drive inland from the coast, west into the into Mozambique, and so they came and spoke at the school towards the end and. When he, Nick is his name, the leader of Pioneer 61, the organization that I was with, um, when he got up on stage and started speaking, the Lord like was on him and he was just crying and crying and and I was like, who is this guy? Like big guy, six Mm. foot two, six three. What was he crying about? He was just crying with the passion that the Lord had given him for the lost and crying about just some of the testimonies that, that they had, things that they had been through. And just sharing his heart. Mm. And, um, you know, they have taken boys in off the street, boys who sleep in the dirt, have no, like, ripped clothes. They'll wear Mm. the same clothes for six months or more and, you know, have no food. You know, they take these boys in off the streets and give them clothes, give them food, send them to school and teach them about Jesus. And so, I knew, I just, sitting there, everyone was crying, you know, because this big guy is just sharing his heart. Yeah. And, um... I felt the Lord say, if I ask you, again, he did this. If I ask you, will you give up your plans and go and follow and serve You're, this guy? And your response was, hey, God, I gave up my house <laughs> deposit. Now you want more? <laughs> <laughs> How much do you want from me? What he would say is everything. Yes. yes. <laughs> I know the answer to that. <laughs> but, but you answered differently. <laughs> but yes, I, um, that's what he said. He said, will you give up that, all of your plans to that go and serve true. these guys? Wow. Because I don't know these guys, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know anything about them other than I know that God is on them, Mm -hmm. and so I said yes, and then it was
2: just after listening.
1: Yeah, just after listening, and um, it was quite a challenge for me to have a one-on-one chat with them, which is a testimony in its own. Um, I was best friends throughout the school, my roommate with a mutual friend of theirs, Mm -hmm. so he was able to hook me up with a with a coffee. Where I was able to ask more about Pioneer 61, and eventually, you know, decide, okay, I'm I'm serious, I'm coming to serve you guys, just based on what you heard. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, what was their response? Um, they were rapt. They were really said that it was an answer to prayer. Um, they needed guys. They need men out mm-hmm. there on the mm-hmm. mission field. Quite often, you know, I don't know percentages or anything, but not often do you see men out there on the mission field. There's a bunch of reasons for that, but mm. um, so you can um, they be were, like an older brother, or a role exactly. model for the the street boys that they're working with. Exactly, and so I could help disciple them, mm-hmm. um, be an older brother, yeah. give them consequences and correction. Which mm-hmm. tell you what, that was tough. <laughs> Going from zero kids of my own yeah, to yeah. about seven boys, you know, it, kind of being a parent to them. Yeah, wow. essentially. Yeah, and. It, it wasn't like a big orphanage where we would have, you know, a hundred kids or whatever. They want to keep it small, keep it family. And so, they would know that they're really our sons instead of just a kid or just a number. Yeah. You know? And so, there wasn't. it was really cool for me to... Like, my room would be opposite theirs. And so, I would essentially be their brother, be their teacher... You know, and all of these different things, and like army general as well, like keeping making sure they're doing their beds, wow. teaching so, them. You went to Mozambique mm. for
2: ten weeks yeah. of Bible school. Yeah. Then you went instead of going to
1: South America. Then you went directly with this couple. Is that right? That's right. So I um they had they drove back, but then after the school and after all of that graduation, I jumped on the Iris plane and they flew to Tete um, with a small team of. People that were just going for a short time, but I was going to stay. Um, Now, I just want to ask here. Yeah.
2: You told your parents. (laughs) Now, I I know your parents because they work here in the same building, Donna and Adrian. Yeah. And they were kind of, you know, they're excited about their boy going on an adventure. Eventually coming home, right? (laughs) Yeah, and eventually coming home. But then they said, oh, he's decided to extend. When you told them, what what was their reaction?
1: Um, They have always been supportive, no matter what i go after as long as they believe that the lord is behind it and so the way that i described it to them the stories that i was telling them about this couple it just blew their minds Mm. and so they were more than happy for me to go and serve with this couple and learn and grow and just glean from them Mm. whilst serving yeah yeah so tell us a story yeah like one of the ones that captured your heart it was really cool like being in the position in a, being able to um, mentor these boys, um, I had to learn the language, which was, wow. you know, for starters, which yeah. was quite difficult Portuguese. I'd never done that before. and Portuguese
2: so, in yeah. Africa?
1: Yeah. So the, the Portuguese colonized Mozambique. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But I wanted to learn Spanish originally. So, it was interesting that I ended up learning Portuguese. (laughs) Which is similar. There's some similarities there. It's like a brother language, essentially. And so, it was really cool after a few months of just mentoring them, um, teaching them how to study the word. And we would start to go out on every Saturday and um, they would cook in the mornings, cook a massive meal, heaps of food. Um, We would go out at lunchtime to take... All of this food out to with these seven boys, all of this food out to all of their street friends that they once knew and still know. Oh, okay. But you know, we would get a hundred kids. Wow. uh, Like gather at this tree, which is really awesome. And they'd break out these pots, and my seven boys would start to just distribute all of these plates and just serve the least of these. Wow. So you're like 22. Yeah.
2: In charge of seven boys, (laughs) ministering to. Like
1: hundred boys? Yeah. Wow. And so that to me, I remember getting teary at one stage and I just remember just seeing the fruit of your labor is something that's really powerful and something that can really help you keep going. Because quite often times it was hard and I yeah. wanted to come home because I was like, I'm just like disciplining seven boys. I'm not really making an impact. Hmm. but seeing them all of a sudden break out the word and start to preach without me really directing it wow. like they would just take over yeah. and just start to preach to these to these hundred boys and then like just out of nowhere I remember one of our oldest his name is Adilson and um, he's anointed man like he out of nowhere he would just say okay anyone who knew, wants to accept Jesus preach the gospel to them these wow. boys in Portuguese or Afri- in the African dialect Yungwe. And many boys would stick up their hand. They're all quite shy, but they would do it anyway. And they would pray with, Adilson would pray with these boys. They'd accept the Lord and start to be discipled themselves. Wow, now let's back up a little bit. When
2: you arrived there, how far along were they? I mean, you were assigned these seven boys. Did you know Mm. if they were Christians or not Christians? Or did you know where they were at in their relationship with the Lord?
1: Um, I knew that they were brought up within the Christian home. Um, I didn't exactly know how far along they were, but most of them were basically at level one, you know, babies in the Lord, needing milk, you know, essentially. But they had been street kids? They had been street kids, yeah. So, some of them had only been coming to the house for, you know, a few months before I even got there. Mm -hmm. And so, basically, working with kids fresh off the street, not really knowing or having a faith at all so some of them obviously did because they were sharing their faith yeah so they were, they all believed but some of them would have different understandings of, of exactly okay. what, yeah the word and Jesus so part of your role was to disciple them exactly and so just basically like how Jesus discipled his guys and is wow. essentially how I felt was my yeah. goal and just you had just your trying disciples to, them. to exactly. help them grow and to help them grow and to help them change Mozambique because it's not I don't yeah. believe it's up to me like, God is going to do that through these boys and through all of the fruit that goes out. And what age range? Um, it was general, It was about 12 to 17. So, teenage boys. Man, it was a challenge. <laughs> uh,
2: that's what I was going to say. Street
1: kids, they're not used to any discipline. And yeah. suddenly,
2: you, who you're not a parent, you yeah. suddenly have to be the parent to try to get these guys to
1: yeah. kind of get in line. Exactly. And I, w- I would discipline them more than what... I myself would generally do, but just because of the high standard of the house, Mm. Um, we really wanted strict there, very strict. And so, you know, if we busted one of them stealing, like there was, which happened quite often, and so there was a lot of stuff that had to be grown out of them Mm. um, and loved out of them, essentially. But it was amazing through the time that I was there, almost a year, to see them go from a which really, I'm not really sure what I believe, blah, 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 to be, um, they're preaching, kids are getting saved on the streets. Wow. And, you know, they are leading discipleship. And and sometimes taking our little church service that we had on every Tuesday where we would have our construction workers, mm-hmm. um, 15 guys, men from the town uh, or from the village, and my kids or the boys would... Yeah that would be preaching sometimes and giving words and things like that. And they're all like 15. Now, let me just
2: summarize here. Originally, you wanted to be a detective slash millionaire. That's right. (laughs) In real estate. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord changes your heart. Uh, You get knocked back. You don't get into detective school. Mm -hmm. Then you hear about this trip to Mozambique because you spoke to a friend who said it'll change your life. And it did. (laughs) And it did. So, you give up your house deposit that you saved up. Yeah. To go there to go to school, but just for ten weeks to go to Bible school. That's right. Yeah. Then the Lord works on your heart and says <laughs> again. <laughs> again, "Give up some more. Give up That's your right. trip to South America that yeah. was all paid for. That's right. To take the thankless task, seemingly, mm-hmm. of working with seven boys who mm-hmm. are undisciplined street kids. Yeah, and kind of disciple them, raise them, do my best, do your best. <laughs> yeah, and it worked out. It. More than worked yeah. out. But that's not yeah. the end of the story. We're going to ask you to come back again next time to share yep. more of your adventures in Africa.
0: Sounds good. Sound all right? Yeah. Well, that was just the beginning of Jordan Olney sharing about his adventures in Africa. As we just heard, Eric Scatterbo has invited him to join us again next time for more of his story. It was interesting to hear how the Lord keeps on challenging Jordan to go from one sacrifice to another. But it's all been worth it as his cup has been filled to overflowing. Next time, we'll hear more about how the Lord has been working in his life, including an amazing new adventure that he'll be going on in Europe. And isn't that just like the Lord, to slowly get us out of our comfort zone or out of what we think will bring us comfort and security? And then he stretches us and shows us that true contentment and security is only found in him and being in his will for our lives. As the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Lord, you prepare a table before me. My cup overflows. Until next time, when we'll hear part two of Jordan Olney's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. My dream was
1: to eventually go to South America and so having given that up um, he's so faithful though like he's he's given me the best time and I really feel like if I could nail any lesson if I could preach any lesson from the whole trip I would just say that the cliche of God is faithful is so real to me now it's not a cliche anymore.
0: Jordan Olney gave up his dreams of making millions in real estate when the Lord led him to go to Bible school in Mozambique. And that was just the beginning of the surprises that God had in store for him. We'll hear more of Jordan's story and find out more about his adventures in Africa next time. The story, story. just another way vision is connecting faith to life.